0: Hi, welcome to the Curious Not Furious podcast. My name is Louise Brooks. I'm a family advisor, parenting coach, and a mom of two. You've come to the right place if you're looking to grow yourself a bit more as a parent, if you want to understand what might be underneath some of your child's most unwanted behaviors and how you can lose it less. In this space, we take on the hard questions and I offer inspiration and tips and new perspectives that can really help you in your parenting to become a more joyful parent and feel like a sturdy leader. I cannot wait to delve into today's episode with you. Hi, welcome back to the Curious Not Furious podcast. What does it mean to be a good parent? I mean, just really think about it. How do we grade ourselves? What is it that we look at? What evidence is it we're looking for when we determine or when we Reflect on whether we consider ourselves to be good parents. What yardstick are we using? What measuring tool are we using? Are we even using our own measuring stick? Or are we measuring ourselves up against standards that we set not by ourselves, but by someone else? This is worth getting curious about. Because in all other aspects of life that we are engaged in, whether work-wise, where we're being assessed against certain criteria that we know what are, or in hobbies or interests of ours, say for instance in fitness, for instance, we are able to weigh and measure and track progress. But how on earth do we do that when it comes to parenting? What are we actually looking for? This is what I want to put some spotlight on in today's episode and specifically I want to share with you three perhaps surprising things that make me feel like I'm doing a good enough job as a mother. But before we delve into today's topic, I want to just share with you three ways that we can work together if you ever find that parent coaching sounds like it could be for you, but you don't know which way of working with me would be the right one for you. I absolutely love being a mom. And can we just all agree that parenting is hard at times? Just as we figured it out in one aspect of family life, Another thing comes up. Our cute little innocent baby is now a toddler with a no and a strong will to match. And you sometimes wonder how on earth you can parent without losing your sanity or constantly giving threats or putting her or him into a timeout. You're dealing with beginning hormones and more sass. And it's becoming clear to you that what worked when your child was younger is no longer working. You need to switch up your parenting approach, but wonder how. I'm here to support you on your parenting journey and you can work with me in a number of ways. Sessions can take place either online via Zoom. We can meet in person either at my clinic or against a small travel fee at your place. Or if you're local to me, you can join my Walk & Talk program, which you can learn more about by heading over to my website, www.louise-brooks.com. You can always book in for a 20-minute free discovery session with me. Simply email me at mail at louise-brooks.com. I very much look forward to hearing from you. So often when we consider whether other people have done a great job of raising their children, what we look for is behavior, isn't it? We look at whether the kids are able to say please and thank you, thanks for having me, And whether they are respectful to other people, whether they're good at sharing, whether they have any meltdowns in public, whether they talk nicely to their parents, whether they are cooperative and whether they do as they're asked to do without kicking up a fuss. And that tends to be the yardstick that we typically measure whether parenting was successful or not. And for good reason, of course, because cooperation is a great sign that there is something that's working really well in the relationship between the parent and the child. But very often we put too much emphasis on behavior when we judge parenting. And I always say that the sign of a good parent is not necessarily that the child is always impeccably behaved and shares and is polite and doesn't have a big meltdown in public. Because those things are outside of a parent's control, ultimately. We cannot guarantee that these things, these behaviors don't come out in our children from time to time. What is possibly more important is what we do as parents in response to the fact that our kids sometimes do or say things that we can't control. If you have more than one child, you know that your children are very different and that if you were to measure yourself and your parenting Based on one of your children, you would feel maybe quite confident about your parenting skills. And if you were to measure your parenting skills based on one of your other children, who you find perhaps more difficult to understand and relate to and respond to, you'd feel a little less confident about yourself as a parent. It's a really good distinction to pay attention to, and especially for those of us who have maybe a little bit of perfectionism around parenting that next time you're about to enter into a shame spiral because your child is acting up or acting out or is having a really hard time, that you're not feeling bad about yourself and your parenting skills because your kids are unable to function optimally in a given moment. Really important to remember. I think I speak for all of us when I say that our ultimate goal, no matter what parenting approach we take, I think we all share the common hope that we raise children who grow up with good mental health and a strong sense of self, with children who grow up to be adults that are not completely enslaved by people pleasing. Concerns about being to everyone's taste, not being too much or too little or not good enough and not thin enough, and not rich enough, and not clever enough, but who have a sense that they're okay as they are. Good self-esteem, in other words. Because for most of us, this is all of our adult lives. in a work, is to undo all these messages and all these beliefs that have taken hold in us about our not-enoughness, or whatever scarcity mindset that we have going on in a critic that's taken root in us from a young age. So we know as parents, deep down, that we need to look at other things other than our children's ability to get straight A's all the time or be impeccably behaved or never melt down and be audacious in public as a yardstick for how well we're doing as parents, how well we've raised our children. Because good mental health and a strong sense of self is not always evidenced in that, in neat, cute, and easy ways. It's actually often when our kids are feeling secure enough in our unconditional love and approval of them that they will see, that we'll see them choose to stay true to themselves without fearing losing connection to us. And sometimes that doesn't serve us, let's be real. Like sometimes we really, really want them to just be compliant and we want them to Choose people-pleasing over choosing loyalty to themselves. Why? Because, well, we look better. We appear like better parents in the eyes of other people, but also it's just feeling less confronting, right? So it helps me to remind myself that parenting success, pardon the pun, is more about having trust and mutual respect in the relationship than to raise kids that are concerned with people-pleasing, okay? And what this might look like, I want to share with you three things that I have come across in my own children that have, despite what it may look like on the surface, have filled me with a sense of, hmm, I'm glad that they choose this. I'm glad that I see these qualities in them, even though on the surface of it, we could argue that that appears rude or that is a weird thing to do or that is not in line with perhaps what was okay for us growing up. So let me sh- share these three surprising things um, with you one by one. The first one is something I came across in, in my daughter. She's the one out of my two children that will most likely say something like this. that I've noticed from a young age that she's very good at gauging this. When she says no to signing up to more after-school activities because she feels it would leave her with not enough time to just play or be. And the reason I find this so comforting is for a number of reasons. One is that I know that she is always up for fun. She's she's a very social person. She has a great social appetite. And she's also very active. She's incredibly active physically. Loves sport. Loves exerting herself physically so I'm not worried about her not getting enough exercise or being stimulated enough in this respect but it hardens me to see that she is able to check in with herself about her capacity and her energy level and rather than just boarding a train like everyone else is doing and doing the very same things just because it's the norm and or fear of missing out She's able to actually be tethered enough to herself to assess whether there's enough energy left in the tank for her to be able to do that. And also, it shows me that she has developed a strong enough liking of being in her own company and that being with herself and sort of just existing on her own is really important to her in terms of resetting herself and regulating she wouldn't put it in those words she would just respond to the fact that it feels nice to have enough time in the day to play and what i know and what you know as a parent is that that downtime is crucial for our children's ability to reset and to process and digest their day this is one of the greatest threats that our kids face these days with long school hours and endless after school activities is they are constantly being scheduled. They're constantly in organized play. They're constantly responding to what needs to be done as opposed to be directed So having enough time to do that is absolutely a healthy thing to do in as much as the balance is right in your child's life. Does it sometimes feel confronting for me? Sure, it could be annoying if I've enrolled my son in an activity and my daughter doesn't want to do it and then I have this staggered schedule after school, where she's kind of now someone I need to maybe drop off back home, or she has to come with, and there's some logistical challenges around that. It could also be, at times, I have felt that, ooh, are you sure you don't want to do that? I mean, all your friends are doing it, and some of my people-pleasing, or some of my fears around what's now not going to be possible for her, me future-projecting, is threatening to take over and sort of sway her decision. So if you recognize this as well, just know that your awareness around it, what is yours, what is your child's, will do wonders for enabling you to stay in your own lane when these things come up. And so you can soothe yourself as opposed to querying with your child whether they're absolutely sure that this is the right decision for them. We help them immensely when we support them to to set boundaries and and live in accordance with what feels right for them on on the inside second thing i want to share with you is um when and this pertains to my son in particular he has a very strong sense that behavior is not everything it's like he's child of a therapist, right? But he'll say, I'm only a child when my husband's, my expectations of him exceed perhaps what he's able to deliver in a given moment. An example could be that he lost his chisel over something that happened that he found unfair and he engaged in behaviors that we don't want to see. And if we lose sight of the fact that he's... Still trying, he's still learning and hold the bar up to a level where we want it to be at. And he senses that I'm just trying still. His way of expressing that is I'm only a child. In other words, what he's saying is I'm just making mistakes, I'm working it out still, and I'm trying and get off my back. And in some ways, of course, it sounds like the cleverest little cop out, little excuse for getting away with murder. But there's something underneath that that is so true and so innocent, which is true. I am only a child. And what that means is I'm still, I'm just learning. I'm figuring it out. I'm trying my hardest, but by God, it's hard to behave nicely when you're overcome by big emotions. I think we can all attest to that. The other last thing I want to say about this point is that there's something about the inner critic, which is hard at work in us adults. I'm yet to meet an adult who doesn't have a healthy dose of an inner critic, and in many cases, an unhealthy dose of inner critic, that comes out and bashes ourselves in the head about the things that we're not able to do, the things we should have done, the things we should have said, and nowhere is this more rife than in parenting. And how amazing would it be if we could say to ourselves, not because we want to cop out, and not because we're not committed to trying to do better next time, But if we could cultivate a kinder inner critic and a kinder voice internally when we do less than what we're supposed to do that says it's hard, you're trying your best, there's a lot on, you got needs that are not met, you're tired, you're hungry and we just acknowledge for a second that we're not superhuman and we're all just in it trying our best and that it doesn't change that we're fundamentally good inside. Okay so let me share with you the third thing that may sound surprising to you that I would class as a parenting win or at least whether it's because of anything I've done or not is something that pleases me, assures me, reassures me about my children and that is I feel reassured strangely when my child refuses to comply with adults who ask for cooperation in disrespectful ways. What do I mean by that? So when we threaten to get our way, when we use methods as parents or as adults in children's lives, when we use methods like threats or ultimatums or strategies that are made to make them feel bad about themselves so that they're going to comply... Not because we're mean, not because we're psychopaths and really, you know, awful parents, but because we are desperate and feel helpless in a given moment to make our child cooperate with us. There's something so healthy about the fact that a child has enough dignity and enough self respect that they dig their heels in when we start speaking to them in that way, just like we would. Is it convenient? No. And often this is what perpetuates our behavior because we feel even more powerless to get our child to cooperate. So rarely do we perhaps see this as a reassuring sign in the heat of the moment. But when we take a step back, we can maybe now in this very moment, if you see these behaviors in your child, whether this comes out in relation to the grandparents or to yourself or your partner when you're feeling particularly triggered Maybe you can afford to look at the health of that right now. That your child has not developed such a fear of standing up for themselves in relation to you or in relation to anyone with more power than themselves. Dare not speak or stand up for themselves. At the end of the day, we cannot expect of our children to respect us if we apply disrespectful methods in instilling this behavior in our children that's just not going to happen and I think it helps sometimes to cast our minds out in the future and really think for a moment about what kind of qualities you think would be useful for your child to have when they're adults or when they're adolescents and spending a lot more time away from you and needing to set boundaries with other people with peers people in authority, with people with more power than themselves. It's a little bit too late when we tell our 20-something-year-old daughter, you need to speak up for yourself. You need to say no to these behaviors if we haven't allowed our child to practice their no in the safety of our relationship as well. And this is not about our children being able to get away with everything and being able to negotiate their way out of everything. Not at all. But we can still say no in ways that acknowledges our child's no. We can penalize the fact that our child says no. Or we can welcome the fact that they do say no and that they do have boundaries and they do give us honest and sometimes really hurtful feedback and still set boundaries. These two things don't negate one another. So it's interesting to me when I reflect on these three things that I want to highlight for this episode as things that I really appreciate about my children, that many of them were not really qualities that I was brought up to embody myself. These are actually qualities that are very much alive in my adult and late adult life or like midlife where I'm at right now, where I'm deep in process about, oh, you know, you keep hearing these words like recovering people pleaser and self-esteem and know your worth and imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff which is very much alive in me right now and there is something so reassuring to know that with every generation we are able to maybe give just a little bit more and our children will be able to give just a little bit more and just because we haven't figured it all out on our own and we haven't maybe been raised in a certain way, it doesn't mean that we cannot become more aware and that we can't instill and inspire in our children a way of being in the world that perhaps was not the way we were raised to be in the world. And I think personally that all it requires is just that we have some reflection about this, about challenging what we see as good and bad, right and wrong. And that we stay open and curious about child development and that we understand and sort of see behavior more from the child's perspective as opposed to just what is going to make us look good and feel good. Because you may have heard this before, but there is no growth where there is no resistance, where there is no challenge. And one of the purposes of the parent child relationship is actually that we also grow ourselves up in the process of raising our children. So, I hope this episode has inspired new thoughts about things that you would maybe class as not typically great behaviors or statements or attitudes in part of your child. And maybe think for yourself where this feels true for you. What are your examples? What if you were to put on a different pair of glasses, and look with fresh eyes, look with a fresh perspective on some of the things that you see in your children. Could it be that your child is just challenging your idea of who you're supposed to be as a parent, or the picture you carry in your mind of how they're supposed to be in order to be a good child for you, or a good child in the eyes of the world? This is where the juice is at in parenting, when we really get honest and clear about what's what. And when we can begin to disentangle where my shame, my ego, my desire to be seen to be a certain way conflicts with what my child shows me, what my child does, what my child holds up. And when we dare look at that, we can get so much further. We can really put to bed some of that perfectionism that exists and set our kids a little bit more free to be more true to themselves and stay in our own lane while still guiding, still leading, still parenting. This is not easy stuff and it's particularly not easy for those of us who have been raised to be good kids, to be palatable, to make our family, to make our parents look and feel good. But remember, we are not, it's it's not a case of thinking of this as Either I'm raising my child to be feral and disrespectful and rude, or on the other hand, raising our children to be kind, loving, good at sharing and perfect. We're talking about authenticity here. and We're talking about striking a healthy balance between that conundrum that we all struggle with being human beings, which is that tension that exists between wanting to belong to others and also wanting to belong to ourselves. That is a balance that, you know, there is no way of fixing. It's something we negotiate at all times. But we do well to help our children to stay more tethered to themselves, because it's from that platform that they're able to not burn out, not get stressed as adults, go down with clinical stress and kind of put their own needs aside for so long that their body actually shuts down and get into relationships where they forget themselves and constantly negotiate their boundaries and give too much and end up burned out or feeling hard done by constantly. So a big part of good mental health is also to have a healthy dose of self-respect, to be good at minding our own boundaries as well. So if we want this for our children, we may need to accept that we need to allow our children to also stand up for themselves and occasionally say no to us as well. I hope this episode has given some new perspectives, has made you think maybe differently about certain things you see in your family. I'd love to hear what it brought up for you. So as always, please, please, please send me a DM can find me on instagram you can send me a private message on mail at louise-brooks.com and if any of my work resonates with you and you feel like hmm this could actually be really fascinating to maybe have a 20 minute free discovery call to see how we could possibly work together you also know where to find me stay curious instead of furious and until we meet again i hope you have a wonderful week